Uh, the second week in First Thessalonians, uh, that's what Pam uh, read to you today, the second chapter of First Thessalonians. Remember, uh, just a little bit of backtracking last week, it's the oldest book in the New Testament. And it's, once you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts, so those are the, are the stories of the New Testament All of the rest of the New Testament is letters. We're opening up somebody else's mail. In this instance, uh, even Revelation is a letter to the seven churches. Uh, And so we're looking at some mail uh, these, uh, these two weeks. Always when you're reading a letter by Paul, one very helpful thing to do is to go back to the book of Acts and read the context. And you can do that. Acts 17 is where we get his experience in Thessalonica. And so you can, you can definitely do that. I've, in fact, I encourage you to do that. You read it alongside and you pick up on some, on some really neat things. The bottom line is that everywhere Paul went in the Roman Empire, he caused trouble. And he got criticized big time. He faced all kinds of op- uh, opposition. Lots of times he got very unfairly criticized and so and yet and yet he was willing to face the criticism because everywhere he went there was always a small group of people that fell in love with this Jesus that he was talking about they would be Jews they would be Gentiles and there would be a group there that would begin their journey as a church and it's important to to realize that criticism is always, the harshest criticism is for all those who dare to give their lives to something. My mama said, if you don't want to get criticized, go sell ice cream, because that's about it, right? Except maybe the lactose intolerant would, would criticize you, but you get the point, right? That... If you're going to give your life to something, you're putting a big target on your back. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to live with the inevitable, with criticism that may come your way. Pray with me. Lord God, be with me. Uh, Help me to speak your words of truth. And God, I pray that I can convey the good news. But either with me or in spite of me, Lord, let us hear And be reminded of the great good news that you give us. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, Paul, in this very, very positive letter, was praising these people in Thessalonica. He was laying it on them. The first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians, this very short book. You can read the whole letter in 11 minutes. You can read it in the time it takes an Episcopal to preach, a priest to preach a sermon, right? It's a short little homily. And you have to remember that when they did this, when Paul wrote these letters, they would roll it out in the home church and someone would read it to the people. And so what Pam read to us partly is what 2,000 years ago they were reading to this early, early church Paul had gotten thrown out of Thessalonica. 
he went to nearby Berea on the Ignatian Way, about 50 miles away, started another church there. But the mob and the thugs in Thessalonica went 50 miles, walked it the other way to run him out of Berea. They were very worried about Paul's life. Not only were they criticizing him, they wanted to stone him. And so they snuck him out of Berea, sent him to the west coast of the modern nation of Greece, where he took a boat south all the way to Athens. Now, did he let all this threat and opposition stop him from doing what he was doing? No. He preached to the Athenians, the the middle, the heartbeat of the worldly wisdom there. And he preached to them. And then he finally went over to Corinth a few months later. He only spent just a few weeks in Thessalonica. Not really long enough, he thought, for them to, to, to take root in their church. And he was worried. You can see that when he's in Corinth, uh, early in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, I was weak, and I was worried, and I was in despair. Why? He was worried about his friends in Thessalonica. So he sent his partner, Timothy, back to Thessalonica to spend some time with them. And Timothy came back with a glowing report. You will not believe it, Paul. You won't believe what they're doing. In the face of all this opposition, they are worshiping God and they're a strong church. Didn't talk about their building. Didn't talk about how wealthy they were. Didn't talk about how talented they were. It was that they did not quit in the face of opposition. Paul uses the word Faithful six times in his letter to First Corinthians, I mean to, to the Thessalonians, six times, meaning you've been reliable, you've been dependable, you've been consistent in the face, in the face of a fierce whirlwind of opposition and criticism. You see, Thessalonians refused to throw in the towel, even while getting criticized. That's 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 the point of today. That's what's going on in our letter today. Paul today, though, is talking about his own critics. I didn't come to you, he says, with trickery or deceptiveness or deception, impure motives, flattery or greed. We worked when we came to you, my friends. We were not freeloaders. I made tents on the side. I made money because I didn't want any money from you. Chances are, think about this, Now, if he's saying what he's not, where do you think that's coming from? Why do you think he had to say he wasn't trying to trick them or that he wasn't trying to be greedy? It's because that was the word on the street. That's what they were saying about him. He was defending himself from his opponents because he could use the Roman roads, these great Roman roads, the Ignatian way, but so could his opponents. And they were coming in behind him at every church, stirring up some stuff, Sharing some half-truths. Being negative about Paul because they were jealous about him. Aren't you glad that we don't have to deal with criticism today? Raise your hand if you've never been criticized. Criticism is sort of the rent we pay for life, isn't it? But brothers and sisters in Christ, how do we live with the inevitable? Because the more you give yourself to something, 
the more convicted you are about something, the more you're going to get criticized. Now, before I go too far, let me say this. We all need some constructive criticism, right? We all do. In fact, if you and I aren't open to criticism where my blind spots are, and we call them, we've got euphemisms for it, like your areas of growth. Okay, let's talk about your areas of growth, but you all know what that means, right? So we, we do that, though, because in all of our organizations, we need to be sensitive to where we can grow and where we can get better. Feedback is a gift, and we should see it as a gift. Even criticism, even when people don't know how to give it. Anybody ever said something true about you, but they didn't do it in the most tactful way? It's tough, isn't it? Not good for your ego. But I've always heard that a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. And sometimes, even when criticism is harsh, and I get it, there's always that kernel of truth that I need to be looking for in all of it. Is there anything I can learn? Because I know as a follower of Jesus, I've got three doors I can walk through every single day of my life. I can be a perpetual victim. Everybody's picking on me. Why is everybody being so negative about me? I can be a perpetual victor. I'm going to get that person. They're not right, right? Or I can be a learner. Which is another word, ironically, for what? Disciple. Disciple. If you never receive or contemplate constructive criticism, it means you are not growing. And that is a sad, sad thing. Sometimes, even in the face of criticism, you need to be the one who is the first to be gentle and patient. It says in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Can't tell you how many times. Maybe somebody's coming at me in some way, and I think it's a little bit, maybe a little bit tacky or whatever. But when I respond, and I'm not real good at this, but I'm okay at it. I'm trying to get better at it. But when I respond to harshness or to aggressive language with gentleness, oftentimes it takes the temperature down. Now, Paul, I don't think here, was dealing with constructive criticism. So I got away from the text a little bit, but it's important because we do need feedback, all of us, from time to time. Sometimes, like Paul, you'll get blowback because of jealousy or for people who see part of themselves in you. Isn't it crazy? Sometimes the people that are our harshest critics, we're, we're kind of a, we're like each other. You ever notice that? And so... They see a little bit of themselves in you or they project themselves on to you. Or maybe it's from a big ego. Maybe, maybe somebody's coming at you because they got a big ego and they can't push you around and manipulate you. Here's the point. Whatever criticism you're facing, don't quit. Keep moving forward. I can't tell you how many times, look, I can get 10 positive emails and get one negative one. Which one do you think sticks with me for the next 30 days? It's our, it's our nature, isn't it? We, we, we fixate on the negative and we can't even hear the praise. I don't know what about us being uh, a human is that, but maybe that's, that's sort of part of it. Paul says, keep moving. 
Don't let something tacky or something unfair said about you keep you from your heart's desire, what God has called you to do and to be. You will never be perfect at what God has called you to do. That's not the point. The point is to chip away and continue to grow in grace so that you might be more of who you've been called to be. I'd rather be criticized for who I am than not be criticized because I'm pretending to be somebody else. Because people will find out that you're posing. Go ahead. Be who you're called to be. And know that criticism is probably going to come your way. I don't have to tell you that for preachers, this past three years has been H-E double hockey sticks on earth, you know, for us, right? Think about all the things in the last three years. COVID. We're not meeting. Certain people come at you hard. Okay, we're meeting back. We're wearing... People coming at you hard. We're wearing masks. People coming at you hard. We're not going to wear masks anymore. People coming at you hard. Polarization of partisan politics. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And yet people who are so stuck into partisan politics see themselves more of that than they are what their identity is in Jesus Christ. We're Christians first. We weren't baptized into a donkey or an elephant, but a lamb. Now, having said that, I've got my opinions about how the world should work. <laughs> and you do too. But right here, friends, the cross is what creates who we are. What carves our souls, that's who we are. So that, if I vote for this person or that person, and you vote for the other person, there should be something stronger bond than that between us. Or else we didn't get it in the first place. In fact, part of the reason that we're here together is to overcome this world that is at war with itself and rise above the criticism so that people go, oh wow, how come they're not killing each other at that church? How come they get along at that church? We need to be that Church, social media posts, oh my goodness. Whew. These days, I sneak on Facebook and try to make a post and I sneak right on out. Because anytime I start doing that, I just, it just blows my mind what people say to each other who claim to be Christian. All these things that divide us and it's part of the great resignation of preachers. But it's not just about preachers, right? You see it in your, at work. You see it in the community. You see where people are provoking each other right and left. It's not just a preacher problem. Y'all know that. If you own a business, you got to worry about it. If you're working at a corporation, you got to worry about it. Be above that. Rise above that. Albert Hubbard said, If you want to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. You can't avoid it. The Beatles, when they came out, got terrible press reports in America. I'm not going to bore you with the quote that I found on them, 
But, uh, but it's kind of funny, actually. But it's like, they won't, they'll, they're a flash in the pan, those Beatles. George Washington. George Washington. I did some research on criticism of him. He was the most popular guy until when he became president. And you talk about the nasty stuff they said about George Washington. On the day he left office, he got so much bad press. People said, good for America. Maybe we'll survive. He's out of here. And he is the most popular president of all polls. Mother Teresa. Terrible stuff said about her. Abraham Lincoln. Of course, he had enemies. Obviously, the country was split. He was, uh, he was debating somebody at one time, and uh, his opponent called him two-faced. And he looked at that opponent, and he said, do you think if I had two faces, I'd be using this one? <laughs> I think that's how he finally kind of got elected. He used some of that humor, right? John Wesley, drug out of every town in England. He wasn't popular. Martin Luther King Jr. got a holiday. He died. He had a 27% approval rating. So what do we do with criticism? Because it's coming your way. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with the blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. Don't, don't repay tacky for tacky, evil for evil. If you have to back away from the social media and get away from some of these things, do it. If you have to back away and create some space and boundaries between somebody who's very critical, do it, whatever. If it's true for all these people, if it's true for Moses, even Jesus got terrible press, right? Eats with sinners, you know, violates the Sabbath, he thinks he's God. You know, all these things that they said about him, right? But what about us? Might we be the kind of people who refuse to give up in the face of opposition? Might we be people at St. Luke's who rise above the critics? By the way, they don't make statues of critics. Parents, did your kids love you and think you were doing a perfect job all the time? No. But you love them. And you knew it was a job worth doing. And you were doing your best as you're raising your kids up. But there are going to be days, right? These beautiful kids right here. When they're not going to like you so much. But one day, one day they might come back and say, wow. Now I know why you did that. You loved me. And I appreciate that. At least I, I hope so. Jesus said in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and, other kind, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, the good news is that when you get criticized, especially for doing good, for doing the right thing, Jesus is saying, that's awesome. I mean, it's no fun going through it, but it's a sign that you're being faithful. It's a sign that you're being faithful. So don't give up in the face of criticism. 
One last point. Sometimes, let's just admit it, we're the people doing the criticizing, right? I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. We're the ones who can throw it out harshly. Sometimes we hold people to a higher standard of living than we're, living, we're willing to live ourselves. Sometimes we ourselves project onto other people. And sometimes we just don't give people the room to be imperfect like us. Somebody earlier said, I want mercy for me and justice for you. Thank you. When I'm tempted to do that, and I am a lot, maybe, maybe you don't have this problem. If you don't, I'm not talking to you. But when I do, I ask myself a couple questions. Do I know everything that this person is going through? Do I know the whole story? Because oftentimes, we know part of the story, but we don't know the whole story. All the time, the answer is no. So, I try to be careful if I need to offer somebody feedback, let's say. If you're criticizing someone, but you're only doing it when they're not present, you're doing it wrong. Always. Paul called that backstabbing. It's harming the body of Christ. Quit it. If it's something you need to address, Jesus says, go to that person. But maybe go to that person and ask more questions. Hey, I'm trying to understand. Help me understand. And when that happens, maybe peace can happen and you can rise above the critical spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment you give will be the judgment you get. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me get the speck out of your eye while the log is in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. I, hear me now, I'm not saying never criticize. We, we got to. But always make sure it's Christian and it's constructive. Because if you bear the name of Jesus Christ and you do that wrong, they won't believe a word that you say. It hurts our credibility. And when you receive criticism, do not let it discourage you, but let it be fuel for the fire. Be humble. Listen. Listen. And be better and grow. But you stay in that arena. Final thought because the kids are coming up. My dad, when I graduated from high school, gave me the quote by Teddy Roosevelt who delivered this on April 23rd, 1910 in France. He was done with being president. And this is what he said. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. 
But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. You go after what God has put on your heart and I don't care what people say about you. Don't let criticism stop you in your tracks because God has a calling for you on this earth and Jesus Christ is walking with you. Amen. Let us pray.